Bye, everyone. Hello, everyone out there in Geek Fives Nation. This is your pal, Dane Owls, with another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Show that if you're a new listener, we do uh, usually on Thursdays at 7 p.m. and also at noon over at Saturdays. Uh, sometimes we do one show, sometimes we do two shows. Depends on the amount of news we have to report back to you. But that's all Eastern Standard Time. I am joined by my co-hostess with the mostest, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How's your Saturday morning going for you, sir? It's going okay, man. Just trying to get awake over here. I'm fucking exhausted. How about you, bud? How's your day going? It's it's going good. I'm going to crack open my solution for that concept, at least for myself, with a monster... So I'll be periodically <laughs> sipping out of this baby. Sponsor, nice. if we can get a sponsorship. Uh, I just did that on air, so um, hit me up on email. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, man, we have a cool episode for you guys today. Uh, one that I decided to have this idea, uh, go back and forth with Chris. We were just going to do like we normally do of just the uh, last year, and I realized <laughs> we went through a whole decade of wrestling. And even though I came in a little bit later, about 2015, into this decade of wrestling, we need to kind of talk about some of the uh, the bigger things. So we're going to go over uh, male uh, wrestlers, you know, our female wrestlers, uh, top superstars, which is a little bit different, we'll get to that, events and or feuds, angles, that whole entire concept, and then we will do matches. Uh, so it's going to be a very fun show. Um and yeah, I, I I had a lot of fun doing this, but I decided, Chris, I, I don't know about you, to handle it like I handled a giant project in fucking high school, where I decided huh, I'll just do this on the last night available and try to cram everything. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but I I'm very happy with my list. I think that I, I'm gonna forget something and then look back on them, Chris, and be like, fuck. But uh, did you have fun making your list, or did you do a similar uh, studying tactic, if you will? <sighs> So I I watched a lot yesterday, but I I kind of said because we always do our end of the year, so I'd already started to work on the normal end of the year list. Um, so some of the stuff I watched doing that, uh, some of the stuff from from this year at least. Uh, but yeah, it, it was fun just going back through my memory of of these matches and pulling up all of these different pay per views and trying to remember what it was what all was on the card. Um, but I think what I got came out pretty good. Um, I some I think some of the numerical rankings of these probably could shift around or whatever, but that's nitpicking at that point. Yeah, I also forgot tag teams. We're going to be going over that, so I don't think that we forgot those guys either. But yeah, I do agree with you, man. Um, watching a lot of these matches back and trying to like get your brain wrapped around both lists, I had to stop trying to do both at the same time. And be like, all right, I'm going to do the fucking decade shit. The next day, <laughs> next week, we'll do our best of the year. I can't. 
I mean, a lot of this stuff is going to be on similar lists, I would say. Well, some of them. But uh, let's just uh, let's start getting right into it. Uh, we didn't get to talk about this really before we went on the show. Uh, I was thinking that we do um, go, obviously, from 10 up to 1. We do 2, 2, 2, and then do the final 4. Or we can do another 2 and then just do the final 2. Which, what do you think would be more effective? Yeah. Um, uh. Let's just do two, two, and two. That way I don't get confused. <laughs> two, two, and two, man. All right. Well, let's start off, like I said, with male wrestlers. And, guys, first of all, uh, don't come at me or Chris. Um, for one, I don't have a Twitter account, so it would just be, like, you know, pointless typing. Uh, but this is very subjective with everything. The male wrestlers, this is our favorite wrestlers um, that we saw throughout the decade that – you know, uh, either in-ring work or angles that they were involved in or even drawing power. Like, everything kind of correlates into it, but it's our personal favorites. That's why I did the superstars that we'll go over later because that's more thinking about who had the best decade as a superstar within wrestling. So just to give you guys a heads up, but I will start off uh, with my 10 and my 9. Uh, 10, uh, because I was a huge mark as soon as he came out uh, and – was a big fan throughout his, uh, you know, run over at NXT. Um, and I like what they're finally starting to sort of do with him now on the main roster, but it goes to Mr. Alistair Black. Uh, when we get to the feuds, a certain feud almost made it on my list uh, that was this close between him and Velveteen Dream that I really just love the buildup. And it wasn't anything that was too long or extensive, which I'd love to see the two of them work together again in the future. Uh, but you know, it was, it was, uh, pretty fun. I love the style of him being, you know, me loving MMA and, 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 uh, a lot of the, uh, the style that he brought out, uh, that a lot of people have been doing obviously now with Kenny Omega and Buddy Murphy. Um, Kenny probably doing a lot first, I guess you could say punk even before that, uh, you know, the knees, if you will, to the face and stuff. And then him having this dark demeanor, I've always been obsessed with wrestlers like Sting and the undertaker. Um, so I just enjoyed him. And number nine was actually someone that kind of got me back into wrestling uh, slowly, but surely. But when punk came around, Mr. CM Punk, you know, between the pipe bomb and me hearing about this and, and then, and then later on watching a lot of his stuff, not live admittedly, but his match with Cena at money in the bank and the whole buildup and just getting obsessed at one point, Chris, and kind of really diving into it and looking at every promo consecutively to go into each pay-per-view. Uh, I I appreciate him as a character. He's very Piper-esque. He's very Austin-esque. He's very himself-esque. You know, I, I think that he's he's kind of put his mark on the industry. And there's obviously a big want and appreciation for Punk as he can just come on a fucking show on Fox and everyone, you know, loses their damn mind at the prospect of him coming back into the business of professional wrestling. So I got 10 Aleister Black and number nine CM Punk. Who do you have for 10 and nine of your male wrestlers, Chris? Number 10, I have Adam Cole. I think not only has he had a hell of the past two years, but I really loved his work in CZW as well um, as the rest of the independent circuit, Um, mostly Ring of Honor, specifically some of the promos and stuff he did with Kevin Steen. Um, in his championship reign in Ring of Honor, where he's going against Eddie Edwards, Scott Riley, Davey Richards, all those guys. Um, 
just absolutely phenomenal all around. Um, and I, I think he deserves to be on this list. So he, he rounds out number 10. And for number nine, I have Tyler Black, a.k.a. Seth Rollins. Um, the guy has had some great matches in WWE. And if you go back to PWG and, and once again, Ring of Honor, it's really funny because I actually got to go back and watch some old Ring of Honor for this list, which I haven't done in a while. So that was a lot of fun uh, in itself. But I had to put him on this list. I mean, he is a top guy in WWE still. He's going through this heel turn right now. And, and everyone, I think, who listens to the show at least knows how I felt about his uh, most recent push. But um, his Ring of Honor run in 2010 um, and I guess 2009, which is a little outside of the decade, and then his you know work in NXT or I guess it would be FCW actually. Uh, FCW headed into you know just being such a big part of the Shield and then his Hill run with Triple H. It seems like this guy kind of carried a lot of WWE um, for a long time in different different avenues as far as the top guy goes. So I had to put him on the list and uh, round round this thing out at, at number nine. I think that's very fair. Um, I well, well we'll talk about it. My, my number eight. Uh, is actually uh, Finn Balor. I think that when I – I mean, this kind of involves the person that you were just talking about uh, partially, but when I started first getting the wrestling, for some reason, you know, and I think a lot of wrestling fans are like this, I have an obsession with face paint. I, I think that, that attracts me to a lot of wrestlers. Uh, seeing this persona in NXT, and just to, like, kind of give you guys, like I said, I stopped watching wrestling in about 2006. I came back into it probably about 2015, hearing things that were kind of attracting me in about 2014 and before, but it was really 2015 I started watching it. Chris has been watching wrestling continuously uh, throughout everything, and I'm sure that he got, um, not annoyed, but me, me saying, Chris, like, I'm watching this Finn Balor guy on NXT, like, who is he? And then right beforehand, <laughs> he blows up on the main roster uh, becomes the universal champion, had a good run until that, and then he obviously got injured. And he has been trying to go back and work himself out, but I also loved looking back on stuff with Prince Devitt early in the 2000s. I think his stuff in NXT, looking back on it, that stuff that I didn't get to see live was awesome. I love his in-ring style. I'm a big fan of Finn, and, uh, yeah, he makes my list. Uh, my number seven is actually Tyler Black, a.k.a. Seth Rollins. Uh, looking back at his old Ring of Honor stuff, uh, previous, obviously, like you said, but especially for me, the guy, uh, unfortunately, but it happened, uh, had Sting's last match. Sting coming back to WWE was a big drawing point that kind of was like, I got to see this guy on his last run with the company he never went to. Uh, so Seth was exposed to me there. Everything he did with the Shield, uh, a lot of his matches with Richie Steamboat um, involving that over uh, previous in NXT you know, and, and the buildup of, of, of the first round, if you will, of NXT, being the first NXT champion. Um, I mean, the fucking WrestleMania 31 ending where he came out and screwed Brock and Roman by cashing in is a very memorable moment, one of the coolest moments, I would say. Um, and just a lot of stuff that he's done. He's a great, brilliant in-ring performer. And I know, <laughs> I'm sure Brett hates the comparisons, but if you look back on it, kind of saying what you were saying, Chris, he's held down a huge spot as a main guy for that company. And it's kind of, especially with his heel turn, funny in retrospect, uh, since Brett was so critical with his work, but kind of like a Bret Hart figure in the sense of maintaining it, 
being where they need him, being a top guy, might not be the biggest draw that they have, but being able to put a lot of pressure on him and working out. Another one of his idols, Shawn Michaels, I would say, would take that. Same thing with Triple H, and you can see those types of influence. But I think that Seth is incredible wrestler. I'm so happy he turned heel. I think that was the best thing for him. And, I mean, the gauntlet match was a great fucking match that he overperformed, I would say. So, yep, uh, number eight, Finn Balor. Number seven, Seth Rollins. Who do you got for eight and seven, Chris? So, for number eight, I have Mr. Kevin Owens, a.k.a. Kevin Steen. Um, His work as Ring of Honor World Champion alone would easily make this list for me during the Kill Steen Kill era. I mean, he... He, he actually will come up several times throughout the uh, <laughs> throughout as we go through these lists. But his work against Steve Carino and Ring of Honor, his feud with El Generico and Jimmy Jacobs, uh, just good shit all around. I, uh, I absolutely loved him in Ring of Honor. He, he, that's even the stuff he did with Adam Cole. Um, yeah, it's it, it, he's just been. A big, like as far as this decade goes, um, not only a big part of Ring of Honor, but then comes to NXT, becomes champion by once again, funny enough, uh, attacking El Generico, aka Sami Zayn, kind of turning his back to get the championship and uh, putting Zayn out of action, then coming directly up and challenging John Cena um, and beating him in his very first match on the main roster. And just everything he's been able to accomplish, even when he's given a comedy task like the Festival of Friendship. He did really great in that with Jericho. Um, easily one of my favorite wrestlers in the world today. I know that they've toned down a lot of the stuff that he used to do in Ring of Honor, and, and that can be a little bit frustrating, especially if you go back and watch that first match he had with John Cena and all the shit he was doing um, in that match compared to what he does on the main roster. But obviously still a big part of the show. They're giving him this Austin-esque push, which I think will be good for him, and, and he should be a good baby face to go against Seth Rollins. So that is number eight for me. Uh, number seven, I actually have Johnny Gargano on this list, and I had to put him a little higher. Um, he probably normally would be 10, but when I was going through and making my best matches of the decade, um, he had a couple come up, and then I had to think about his entire career and you know what he was able to accomplish in that 2018-2019 with Tommaso Ciampa probably being the hottest angle in general in wrestling as far as you know a heel babyface feud. Um, and the matches they had were absolutely incredible, like NXT Takeover in New Orleans, for instance. Um, and even when he was you know with DIY as tag team, I just see he's a great performer. Um, yeah, I just couldn't keep him off this list. Unfortunately, his counterpart, um, I'm going to go ahead and let everyone know, Choppa didn't make my list, and most of it's just because of his uh, the, the injuries. Um, and I'm more familiar with Gargano uh, as far as what he did before, so his work in Dragon Gate and uh, PWG. So that is number eight, Kevin Steen, and number seven, Johnny Gargano. Oh, God, I'm feeling bad. I forgot Johnny on this list, but uh, we'll just keep on going. Uh, (laughs) uh, So my uh, sixth is actually Kevin Owens, Kevin Steen. Um, He's one of my favorites, one of the best guys on the mic, the Festival of Friendship, uh, his NXT run, a lot of the stuff I've watched in the past with Ring of Honor, his feud with, like you said, with El Generico and that whole breakup 
uh, and, you know, of them as a tag team. And then, obviously, with uh, Sami Zayn over in NXT, their fucking match was awesome. It made almost made my list, and I'm, I'm, I, I was fighting for that one, but it's so hard when you're making a list of matches. But they had an incredible match, obviously, in NXT, very memorable. And he's been able to overcome a lot of, I would say, adversity on the main roster as far as his looks, even though he's so fucking incredible in the ring. That's always going to be an issue, but he's been able to overcome it, been a part of many big angles. Yeah, there was Shane McMahon here. Yeah, there was a Goldberg there. But he's had some major titles. He has pretty much been a top wrestler. When they want him as a heel, he's dominant. When they want him as a baby face, like now, he's doing great. And, you know, to be influenced by some of my favorite wrestlers like Owen Hart, Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, you know, you can tell that he gives a fuck about wrestling, and he just seems like a cool dude. So, Kevin Owens is number six. Number five, uh, I think, set this decade on fire towards the end, and I don't think me or or a lot of people would think that he would be on top tens list, but it would be Cody Rhodes. Uh, Cody has turned into a great storyteller within the last couple of years of wrestling, and his ambitions, along with the Young Bucks, to change wrestling – I think drastically is doing some huge improvements. I think that he is an incredible heel. Uh, when he's a heel, he, he turns on almost like a Ric Flair-like concept to him. Uh, the cockiness is just there. When he's a babyface, he channels Hulk Hogan and fucking Sting. You know, I mean, I think, I think Cody, his match against Aldis at All In, his match against Dustin, they are some of the best matches, you know, on the card. And he doesn't have to do all the crazy shit. He... He'll do a dive. He does that spot where he runs to the uh, turnbuckle and jumps to the outside, you know, but it's nothing too crazy, and he just knows how to tell stories while wrestling better than I think a lot of guys, and I just appreciate the fact that he came back from a lot of bullshit and has now turned it and flipped it on its head. So I got Kevin Owens at six and Cody Rhodes at number five. Oh, man. All right. Uh, now I feel a little bad about not putting Cody on this list, but looking at the entire decade, I remember some terrible, terribleness in, in WWE. Yeah. I missed most of that, <laughs> um, so I think that's that's the reasoning, at least for me, because, like, I heard about that, and at least I heard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you had a match with Dusty and Dustin I liked, but the Stardust thing was a drizzling shit. He'll get a he gets a mention later on in this list uh, or our list, so I don't feel too bad. But uh, yeah, Cody Cody is definitely great. Um, my number six, and people are probably gonna bury the shit out of me for putting him at at I guess this low on the list, but uh, Kenny Omega, uh, the Omega Man himself, um, mostly because of his work specifically with the Golden Lovers in New Japan and the Bullet Club, the Slash B Elite. Um, Absolutely incredible. I, I don't think anyone had a better two years than he had in 2017 and 2018. His feud with Okada, and Naito, and the the build of what the elite is, and then even creating his own, well, being part of creating his own promotion in all elite wrestling. I had to have them on this list. Um, absolutely incredible. I mean, everyone knows about the in, infamous six star. <laughs> match between him and Okada. Um, I think he's a great performer. I haven't really liked what they've done with him in all elite wrestling so far. It seems like he's maybe a little bit on the back burner and, and trying to get some other people over. 
um, as opposed to being the star of the show, which is just a little weird to me because he's was easily considered, you know, the best wrestler uh, of the year for the past two years leading into that, that promotion. But, uh, you know, all around, uh, all around great, great worker. And I, I want to see more of him in all elite wrestling and from there, you know, that, I think that's maybe why he's a little lower on my list, just more because of, uh, recently what they've been doing with him. But, uh, once again, absolutely phenomenal. Um, and speaking of phenomenal, like this transition here, um, <laughs> number five on my list is Mr. AJ Styles himself. And uh, not only what he's been able to accomplish since coming to WWE, I mean, the pop for him was absolutely insane when he showed up at the Rumble, um, but even headed back into TNA when he was part of Fortune with uh, Kazarian and Ric Flair. Um, a lot of the storylines there I thought were a lot of fun. And I mean, he's always been just an absolute, amazing wrestler um regardless of where he's at and it seems like you know no matter where he goes he's going to give it his absolute best whether it's in new japan or ring of honor um his work in ring of honor specifically the 12th anniversary show uh where he wrestled i think jay lethal and chris hero that's one hell of a match and it could have probably easily made my match of the decade list um everything he's done with Samoa Joe in the past. And then obviously his run as the leader of the bullet club, the uh, kind of what I would call the initial bullet club uh, was, was great. So it's, it's still good to see him. And even more recently, you know, going back to 2016 with him feuding with John Cena um, wrestling, you know, against uh, Chris Jericho. And I mean, the guy, he shows up at night in and night out, even in WWE when sometimes they only give him five minutes, he still tries to give the, the crowd a great match in five minutes. So um, absolutely phenomenal. I think he deserves to be number five for sure. Uh, and just to recap, uh, number six, I had Kitty Omega, and number five, Mr. AJ Styles. Well, uh, number four uh, for me, now that we're doing the, the final fours uh, for everything, is actually Mr. Kenny Omega. <clears throat> and he might be probably, you know, kind of like how I feel about Sean um, for his era. Uh, you know, my favorite wrestler in ring all around. I, I love his performance. It's, it's like him and Okada fight for that number one spot, which is kind of funny in, in retrospect. Um, because they're the reasons why I like each other so much. I think that the what reason why he goes lower on my list uh, than I think that some people that know I'm a huge Kenny Mark is because he's had a problem trying to find his character when he's come over here uh, in America. In Japan, you know, I just think that his performance is great. I love his frantic energy. I know that's something that a lot of people don't like, but, uh, you know, some of the best star stuff, I would say, you know, when there's a comparison with Ultimate Warrior, that's kind of correlated back to Kenny. Um, I don't think that's so negative, his intensity, his eyes and his facial expressions. Some of that even reminds me of Flair. And his work rate is absolutely out of this world. His match with Okada, um, everything with the G1 afterwards. His title run was a little bit lackluster compared to what I would have wanted it. His match against Tanahashi I thought was awesome, the buildup. Uh, a lot of comparisons from Kevin Kelly with, you know, Sean and Brett and that type of angle where in real life, it seems like they do have issues with each other. They, there is respect, but they kind of are at arms. And, um, you know, uh, stuff so far, I loved his performance with Pentagon, who's someone that could have definitely made my list uh, somewhere, but, you know, did not. 
at uh, All In and um, stuff with Pac that's going to be building for the future. I just hope that Kenny finds a definitive character because you can be the best bout machine, but if you don't have a lot to care about outside of just the wrestling performance, it definitely lacks. So uh, I still think that he's one of the best in-ring performers right now. Um, so who do you have for four, Chris? Number four, I have Mr. Daniel Bryan uh, himself. I think he's been absolutely fucking phenomenal regardless of where he went. I know going back to it's it, it, he. Unfortunately, I don't get to talk about any of the Ring of Honor stuff with him, uh, which is sad. But uh, all of his WWE work, I think he went from you know someone they kind of, in a lot of ways, attempted to bury, and the fans just wouldn't allow it because the man's so damn great. Um, and if you look at that Yes movement and what he was able to accomplish, uh, going to uh, you know winning, uh, what was it beating? Triple H and then Batista and Randy Orton in one night and probably one of the biggest WrestleMania moments ever in history. Um, just absolute incredible. And, and, and everything he does is really good. I mean, even going back to this, this year with his uh, work with uh, Kofi Kingston, I thought it was really great, even though they were having him kind of do this character fueled with uh, Eric Rowan, but Daniel Bryan, I think he's still a huge draw. It's good to see him turned back baby face. And if anyone can get a good match out of this Bray Wyatt character it's it's going to be daniel bryan um so that's who i have at number four absolutely love daniel bryan i think he's phenomenal even his work in team hell no for instance just little things like that um he's just been a constant great and it sucks that you know he was just kind of held on the shelf for so long because we I, he, he may have even been higher on this list for me if, if that wasn't the case uh well I'm right there with you because my number three is actually Daniel Bryan. Um, just an awesome performer. He might have had potential to be higher on my list if I was actually witnessing a lot of the stuff that he did. But what I saw from him was a very tragic situation in which he couldn't wrestle anymore. And looking back on his run, like you said, you know, the WrestleMania run, beating Evolution, uh, finally beating the odds, the next WrestleMania where – he, he had that amazing Intercontinental Championship match, um, TLC match with everyone. Um, stuff that he's done and, uh, you know, coming back from a huge injury that no one thought would be able to happen. And what he's done for some of the smaller guys, uh, you know, trying to build them up now. Uh, what he did with Kofi, you know, Kofi said that Daniel Bryan was the one who really pushed that angle of Kofi winning the title. And, it's funny because they both kind of have a similar flavor as baby faces of the guy that no one expects to win, kind of like a DDP type of concept, um, but wins and is the guy that the people want. I mean, he's just uh, – the, the yes movement, I knew about that before I got back into wrestling because it was becoming a popular commodity. It's the closest thing to Hulkamania that's ever happened. And his Austin-like thing against the, the authority and taking them on – you know, he just brought a lot of great stuff. He got himself over. He's one of the best guys on the mic. His wrestling skills, I would say, technically are something to compare with Benoit and Brett. His his aerialistic stuff is from his mentor and the guy that taught him, motherfucking Shawn Michaels. Also his technical stuff from William Regal, who also taught him. He is a packaged machine, and you would never think that he would be able to get over to level that he got over based on his size, and he's completely – gone against that. He's completely battled back from a lot of different stuff, and I think Daniel Bryan is one of the best wrestlers of this last generation. 
Uh, who do you have for three, Chris? For number three, and I'm, I know that people are going to lose their shit over this one, I have John Cena, Mr. John Cena himself. If you go back and look at the early portion of this decade, his feud with CM Punk is part of what made CM Punk CM Punk. If you don't have John Cena, that basic white baby face, uh, and, and, and positioned as the guy of the company, I don't know that the pipe bomb promo works as well, if, especially if you're bringing him back to wrestle. Um, so that feud in 2011 was absolutely incredible. And then you look at him and The Rock for two years after that, and their matches at WrestleMania, I think, just had such a big feel. I mean, it's the first time – I would say it's, it's probably the only time in this entire decade where I looked at a match and said – holy shit, these two guys are absolute superstars. This reminds me of Hogan versus Warrior or even, believe it or not, the Rock versus Hogan type match. So, uh, and not, you know, he's had some great matches. If you look at his uh, match with Shawn Michaels on Raw and his match with uh, CM Punk at Money in the Bank or his match with Daniel Bryan at SummerSlam or his match with Bray Wyatt in that last man standing match. Um, and, and, of course, the feud he had with AJ Styles. I know he's been a little bit kind of off of our radar probably since 2017. I know he's been here and there, but he had to make this list. I, he, he's, he was an absolute pillar in this company from, I would say, probably 2006 up until now uh, and, and had some of the biggest – feuds and I would say matches of the early decade for WWE so I had to have him on this list so at number three the 13 time world champion John Cena damn that is a very good uh, reasoning but I'll we'll, we'll see John Cena on one of my lists uh, a little bit later um, my next person uh, is actually going – where was I? Was that – yeah. Uh, my next person is someone that, uh, you know, he lives – he resides over in Gainesville, fucking Georgia. His name is AJ <laughs> Styles. Uh, I love AJ, man. AJ has crossed four different – no, no. So let's see. In this decade, he started off on TNA, went to Ring of Honor, went to New Japan, and went to WWE and made a mark between all companies that he was a part of. Now, a lot of stuff – you know, what happened with TNA at the end of it is very unfortunate. But he fought for that company. He was like their sting for a long time. And the Fortune stuff, looking back on it, I actually really do like it. Uh, watching a lot of, like, early TNA recently, because everything for some reason is on YouTube. It's probably not the best idea from the company to have their own website display whole events and stuff since they have a streaming thing. But whatever you want to do, TNA and Impact. But uh, AJ's just a definitive person. And when you get to him and Cena – it's kind of like the meeting of the modern mega powers. You have the two guys that kind of defined the last, you know, since 2000, basically, two of the top wrestlers that finally get to go against each other. The pop at the Royal Rumble, him and Chris Jericho. Um, lately, he's been the go-to guy to get the title back on because he's, he's one of those dudes. He's like a Sean. He's like a Savage where they can send him out, have a great feud, make the, elevate the person, be a great wrestler, put on – the matches they need, they, they, he's there. What, what did uh, Vince McMahon say? His, his bulldog, um, you know, and it, it's it's very it's very true. He's one of the greatest workhorses, and he's also gotten pretty damn good, I would say, on the mic, which was definitely one of the things he wasn't so good at. Bullet Club, that involvement, him and Shinsuke Nakamura at Wrestle Kingdom 10 for the IC title. No, it was the uh, heavyweight title, I believe. But 
incredible match. Uh, him and John Cena, incredible match. He doesn't have bad matches. They might limit him, which is kind of something that puts him a little bit lower for me, especially modern-wise. I mean, he's had feuds with Kevin Owens, Shinsuke Nakamura, which he's had a feud in the past, Samoa Joe that he's had a feud in the past, and just a couple matches with Seth Rollins. All of them have been pretty underwhelming compared to what we know that both the other person that he's facing and him can do. But he's that go-to guy for WWE, and he's going to keep on getting titles back and forth for him because they know that he can bring out the best in other wrestlers. And uh, I love the club, so or the OC, whatever the fuck they call it. But, yeah, that, that, that would be my next person, which where am I at? I'm at um, number two. Okay, so what's your number two, Chris? My number two is Hiroshi Tanahashi. You don't win, uh, you know, best wrestler three times in one decade and, and not make this list. He's absolutely incredible. Um, probably the biggest star Japan, New Japan has seen uh, since Muda, I would say, um, going back going back earlier in New Japan. Um, but yeah, I, he's just massive. He's everywhere. He, he doesn't really ever have a bad match. He wrestles injured. He goes out and he performs to the top of his abilities, whatever they put him, and whether it's a three-way tag match or uh, whether it's like the G1. Um, he's a guy that can hold the title if you need him to hold it, uh, a good placeholder. And he easily could have made number one if it wasn't for the fact that the man above him is just absolutely fucking insane. Um, so at number two, I have Tanahashi. Uh, and like I said, I mean, his accolades speak for themselves. I mean, we, like I said, you don't get wrestler of the decade three times from the observer. If you're not pretty fucking good um, or not of the decade, but of the year, um, absolutely incredible. Uh, great performer. I wonder if he's going to start winding down soon just because of the level he performed at. But, uh, yeah, had to make my list. He's at number two. Tanahashi is my number two. Yeah, man, him and Jericho should tear shit up and have an amazing match uh, come Wrestle Kingdom. Tanahashi's definitely a great, great wrestler. Uh, my number one is the person I think you're alluding to. Uh, just I, I, Kazuchika Okada, man. I mean, Okada Omega. I thought I was getting back into wrestling, and I remember this. Uh, you know, I was making these lists of comparisons. I was trying to find out wrestlers that were similar to wrestlers I liked, you know, and that was something that came, in, came into my head. I didn't really know a lot about New Japan. I didn't know much about anything non-WWE. I was, you know, kind of starting to get into NXT at that point. When I saw Okada Omega, and, like, I brought it up <laughs> once again to Chris – I was like, oh, my God, have you ever seen this? And Chris is like, dude, you know, that's that was a couple months ago, bro. You know, of course. And uh, both wrestlers just completely blew me away. And Okada, he has this dominance uh, that, I mean, it's like a Bruno almost, the way that New Japan needs him. Uh, he's got, and I've said this a million times, he's got the, the uh, credibility of being dominant in the ring like Hulk Hogan in the fucking 80s, but he's got the work performance of Ric Flair in the 80s. He can go an hour and put on great matches. He doesn't have to do anything too fucking crazy. I think the craziest thing that he really does is a diving crossbody to the outside over the, the rail. You know, it's drop kicks off top ropes. It's very basic stuff. But the in-between things that he does, his selling, his ability to perform, uh, the situations, how he gets people into tombstone pile drivers, especially the spinning one, his matches are so incredible and so much fun to watch. He is New Japan's guiding star 
And, you know, with all the bullshit with TNA previously, if you were to ever sit in a ring, whether it be WWE or, or AEW for whatever, hopefully a cross-brand promotion style thing, I don't want him to sign with either one of them, he would become even bigger of a star uh, over here. I think that he is probably arguably one of the greatest wrestlers all around, period, bar none. And that's a lot of praise. Uh, and matches, man. All of them with Kenny. His match with AJ Styles. Uh, his matches with Tanahashi that I've seen. Kota Bushi. They've all been bonkers fucking crazy. And even though I'm kind of... Now looking back at it, you know, with Ciampa, Cole, Gargano, even Cena, Tanahashi, a lot of the other guys I didn't have on my list that I love that's on your list, Chris. Okada, I think, steps up onto all of them of just being the number one person to put in matches and have a classic great fucking match. His intensity, even though I can't understand him with the subtitles, his promos are great. His his English promos are great. He's just a fucking incredible wrestler, and if you don't know about Kasushika Okada by now, go and investigate. Me watching Wrestle Kingdom 11's main event made me go out and start watching wrestling in Mexico, Japan, England, trying to get everyone within my brain, and I have to thank that because of Kasushika Okada. Chris, who do you got? Well, I, I guess you probably you saw this coming as well. Uh, the man you were just speaking of, uh, my number one is Kazuchika Okada. He has really held that company down. He held the IWGP Heavyweight Championship from 2016 to 2018, <laughs> the longest reign of all time. And within that, he had feuds with Naito. He had feuds with Sonata. He had the great matches they were talking about with Kenny Omega. Um, just absolutely insane. I mean, I think you you put it the best. He's a, he's a five-time IWGP heavyweight champion. He's won the best bout award from Tokyo Sports, which is the big newscaster in uh, kind of their big like PWI uh, as far as Japan goes. Uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine times. <laughs> um, he, he he's just absolutely incredible. He's he's won you know feud of the year with Kenny Omega. He's got pro wrestling match of the year four, six times from Wrestling Observer. It looks like so. I, there's not enough you could say about this. I, I like I love that he inspired you to go watch other wrestling and and hopefully us talking about him. If if you haven't seen Okada. I, Definitely go check him out. I mean, we can give you, like I said, anything. Uh, look at some of the big matches he had with Tanahashi or even uh, his slight, his title matches against Mr. AJ Styles or more recently, the stuff with Kenny Omega. Um, I mean, even just a, a few months ago, you could look at what he was doing with Sonata and uh, the, like, everything that was uh, him and – I want to say – I don't want to misspeak uh, – even the match he had against Chris Jericho when he defended his title um, and his last match was Minoru Suzuki. I mean, just absolutely great. I think that he not only is the performer of the decade, he may just be one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, uh, which there's a lot of people on this list that will at the end of the day, probably that they could make that list of mine of, of greatest wrestlers, but uh, he's like number one with a bullet. And I think, as people, if you've listened to our previous end of year podcast, I think he's been my number one for almost all of these at this point. And I, I don't see that changing anytime soon. He's just absolutely fucking incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible, incredible wrestler. 
And you might see him on another one of my lists. Actually, probably several, technically. So uh, let, let's move on. I'm realizing, you know, just, just how this is going. If we don't get to finish any of this list, we'll, we'll take the ones that we haven't got to and put them on our Thursday show. Um, unless we can't do that, and then we'll just figure it out on Saturday. I uh, mix them in with our end-of-the-year stuff at some point. But we, we really have a nice little week off, I think, with wrestling, since everything's going to be, you know, pre-recorded or AEW has a break. So we're going to figure everything out. But let's get to the female wrestlers. Um, and I'm going to start at 10. Uh, people are probably going to think that I'm an idiot, but that's okay. I mean, I think that what she did for wrestling uh, last year uh, was monumental, and that is Ronda Rousey. Uh, Ronda had previous before this a pretty damn good run in UFC, too, making uh, women's uh, fighting popular in general, and I think helping out uh, create an aura around combat-style things, including pro wrestling, that would kind of just pivot women in a different light. Uh, yeah, her ending wasn't that great, obviously, but her in WWE, the way she showed up, uh, you know, the position that they put her into, her match, her first fucking match at WrestleMania... Uh, with uh, against Stephanie and Triple H for Kurt Angle, just showing off that she actually gave a shit. The whole build-up throughout the year, dominant matches, the stuff with her and Becky that still hasn't been finished. Uh, I, I just find Ronda Rousey to be someone that, other than Mike Skills, now the way they position her as this badass kind of heelish person, very good and awesome for the industry itself. And number nine is actually her, her good friend and someone who just lost her title, Shanna Baszler, another thing where people are going to hate on me. I think Baszler's performances have been awesome. She has a certain definitive style. She borrows a lot from her UFC or her MMA, I should say, past. But she's a badass. She looks dominant. She's 38 going on 39, and she's still performing for long periods of time and putting on awesome matches, just like the one with Rhea Ripley where she lost the title. She's got to be with female wrestlers and even – in the conversation for just overall wrestlers in the top five for dominant champions, I would put her right after Asuka uh, for female champions. You know, she is a badass, and she shows credibility, I would say, within wrestling. And, yeah, she goes for that chokehold, but when she gets it on, people get pissed, and the babyface loses, and she wins, and it's always out of nowhere. I, I really just appreciate Shanna Baszler, and I've been appreciating her for the last two years as being kind of like a female Samoa Joe, which I think some people interpret her like a female Baron Corbin, but I think you're sadly mistaken. Sorry. Chris, who do you got for 10 and 9? For number 10, I have Rio. I know that I, I the thing about AEW is some of these female wrestlers that they've put on, I had never seen, um, which was surprising, but it also gave me the ability to dive back in and look at some of their previous work. Um and she's absolutely phenomenal. The way that she's able to get the crowd behind her um, with this Japanese idol character is in- incredible. Even in AEW, it seems like she can get any crowd into her match regardless of, of what that match is. I mean, it should look completely unbelievable that she's wrestling and beating Nyla Rose, but the fans don't care because she's so brilliant. Um, I think that she's going to continue to be great in all elite wrestling, and I look forward to seeing more from her. So she rounds my number. T- she's my number ten, and then I have Iwatani as my number nine from her work with Ring of Honor, as well as her current work in World Wonder Ring Stardom. Um, I, I think she's absolutely phenomenal. She's had some of the best female matches I've seen in the past ten years, a hundred percent. So my ten is Rio, and my number nine is Iwatani. So 
All right, my number eight is uh, Rosemary. Uh, as far as a character, uh, she's one of my favorite female wrestlers out there today. I think that uh, her run with uh, Taya Valkyrie was great. I think her run with Allison Cade was great. Uh, I think that she's had a tremendous position over at Impact and been one of the people that you know they can count on. Unfortunately, the stuff with her in uh, Sexy Star in Mexico wasn't a, a, a good point, but she understands her character. And uh, she's one of, you know, there's not a lot of character wrestlers anymore that aren't trying to put everything into it. It's kind of like they think of it and it's whatever in the background. But she's a dark character. She gets that whole entire thing. And uh, I like Rosemary. I like her look. I like her wrestling. Um, I have a weird crush on her. So maybe that put her a little bit higher on my list. I don't know. Um, but she's one of the reasons why, you know, you can say what you want about Impact, but their women's division, man, uh, is is bonkers. Uh, it's pretty damn awesome. And uh, she's she's a character that they can go to and bring out some really cool s- segments or some really cool matches. So that's why she's eight. Number seven is someone I really more so appreciate uh, than anything, uh, Paige. I think Paige paved the way for – and AJ Lee for, for, to that, to, you know, to an extent too uh, – paved the way for – the women's evolution before the four horsewomen even came into it. I think that she's had some rough spots to say the least uh, with her having to retire and everything beforehand. I'm not going to get into it, but she's overcome a lot of it. Her movie was that her, the biopic about her was amazing. Her run in NXT was great. You know, she, I think won all the top championships, if I'm not mistaken, uh, at least the uh, women's championship in, in NXT and also on the main roster. Maybe there wasn't two. I don't remember. But I think she's an amazing wrestler, amazing promo. Unfortunate she had to retire at such a young age. But for what she accomplished in the small time that she accomplished it, you know, was pretty goddamn impressive. You know, it's too bad to have to have like an Austin run aura to it where it's tragically cut short. But She's still a badass and uh, definitely one of my favorite female wrestlers. Who do you have for eight and seven, Chris? For number eight, I actually have Bailey, and specifically from her time period in NXT, she had some of the best matches I have ever seen, and she was a big part of them, and and you know, big part of the four horsewomen in general. But looking at how great she was in that NXT Takeover Fatal Four Way match between the, those guys, I think they've even highlighted it on uh, the, the last WWE 2K game, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, just she's absolutely incredible. She's a great wrestler. She's kind of fucked over by the fact they put her in, I guess, what I would put in quotes as a feud with Sasha but didn't ever really turn either of them into a true hill. And then they just put them back together. So I don't blame her for some of the booking decisions they made on main, but if I just take that away and look at just NXT, she's absolutely fucking incredible and definitely deserves to be on this list. So Bailey is my number eight. My number seven is someone that you just actually spoke of. Um, I actually have her a little higher than Paige. Uh, Paige would be like an honorable mention for me, but AJ Lee, I think she was the the first female in a long time that I saw that had more than just like a pretty face as far as WWE wrestling went. And and Paige plays into that as well, but AJ Lee also had the ability to cut really great promos um, and be, you know, an on-screen character 
as well as work really good matches. Um, even going back to the stuff that she did in FCW with uh, Rosa Mendez and um, just, just a great, great performer, love her all around. It's also one of those weird things where you really are only, it's just such a short run. Um, and part of it was, you know, her being a manager or the raw general manager. Uh, she really was only there for, I guess, up from 2011 to 2015. Um, so very short run early in the decade, but that is my number six, AJ Lee. All right, we are on to uh, or number seven. Sorry, <laughs> botched that up. Yeah, I just <laughs> I was like, oh crap, what's going on? My brain almost exploded just now. All right, my number six is uh, the man, uh, Becky Lynch. Um, I think that Becky's stuff in NXT was good. Uh, she had a bunch of great matches. Obviously, the turnaround. You can have good matches and you can get the title, but if they don't actually position you in a certain way. It's not going to do anything for you. And she wasn't getting over to the level that someone like Charlotte or even Sasha at the time were. I would even say Bailey. Uh, she was kind of an afterthought, even with the belt. She threw stuff that wasn't, not all of it, some of it was organic. Uh, she just got over with the freaking crowd. People wanted her redemption. That match that she had previous to that, the, that she snapped on Charlotte, was awesome with, uh, I think it was her, Asuka, and, and Charlotte in the ladder match, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe it was her, uh, Carmella. It's the one I'm thinking of. God, I've been going through so much wrestling. Awesome ladder match, nonetheless. Uh, her feud with Charlotte has hindered her, but has also done great things for her. Her getting knocked in the face accidentally by Nia, uh, Nia Jax created probably one of the most iconic, I would say, images in, in uh, modern professional wrestling. And just the percentage she has and the potential, especially with Sasha, not Sasha, Shayna Baszler, and also Ronda in the future, uh, she's just someone who might not be the greatest in-ring wrestler, but her presence and her character has brought her a long way, uh, not to the dismay of bad booking from fucking WWE, but what do you expect? Uh, and my uh, number five is uh, another one of the four horsewomen, Miss, Miss uh, Sasha Banks. When I first started getting into wrestling, it was – and when you go back and you see all of her NXT stuff and the amazing match her and Bailey put on – you know, all of a sudden she's now a baby face when I'm watching it, and she's going against Charlotte. Her match at Raw, uh, the uh, Falls Count Anywhere match, is one of my fucking favorite matches that I watch, you know, live in front of me. Her Hell in the Cell match. Uh, she She's had a great run and just been, once again, kind of booked poorly a lot, but I like the concept of the boss. I like this new presence. She definitely made an impact when she came back, um, and I just hope that they... Get her the fuck away from Bailey. Nothing against Bailey. She didn't make my list, but she is one hell of a performer. I just didn't see a lot of her run live uh, in NXT, but I love Sasha Banks, and I hope her and Becky, in certain rights, uh, get booked a little bit better. I mean, I, I think that's all for a lot of performers, though, so I'll just shut up. A lot of them on this list, actually. <laughs> um, Chris, who do you got for your uh, six and five? So number six, I have Becky Lynch for a lot of the same reasons that I have Bailey, not necessarily what they've accomplished on the main roster, but definitely their NXT run. Um, absolutely incredible. I will say that, you know, Becky deserved to be higher on the list than Bailey, specifically for the fact she was able to get so over for that short period of time. Um, the feud with her and Flair and, you know, that match that culminated in that three-way at WrestleMania is probably one of the biggest female uh, matches of all time. Um, so she had to make my list. I, I like 
Becky. I am not necessarily the biggest fan of the character, the man, um, mostly because it's, it's became one of those annoying things. The announcers just go to all the time, constantly during her matches um, that in pretty much the only thing that I've seen that I've really liked of hers was her uh, re- as of recently um, since mania was the short little feud. She had with Shayna Baszler um, headed into that last pay-per-view I'm trying to, I can't think of the name of the pay-per-view right now. Was it survivor series? I want to say, I think, I think so. I believe um, so yeah. But that yep. she's apps. She's an absolute incredible worker. I mean, if you go back and look at the, those, this stuff with the, any of the four horse women, um, anytime they put them in a match and just let them wrestle and don't try to overly gimmick the match, they have really, really, you know, great matches. I think that she's probably the most over person on this list, maybe outside of Oscar, which I'll get to later. Um, so she definitely deserves to be here. So my number six is Becky Lynch. My number five uh, is someone that kind of came out of nowhere for me, uh, even though I had seen her in the May Young classic um, and, and a few matches of hers in stardom. Uh, but Tessa Blanchard, she's been fucking lights out in impact from 2000 to like 2018, 2017, 2018 to now. I think that she's probably easily one of the, the best female wrestlers in the world right now, as far as what she's doing. And she's not just doing it against females. That's the other thing. She's wrestling people like fucking disco inferno. Um, but her matches and feuds with uh, Ty Valkyrie headed into bound to glory. I thought was one of the best female feuds I'd seen in a long time. Uh, I think she absolutely deserves to be at number five. I probably have her low. Um, I think you could easily put her up higher if if you really wanted to. But my number five is Tessa Blanchard. Well, uh, guess what? My number four is actually Miss Tessa Blanchard. Uh, I think, you know, seeing, hearing a large amount of people talking about her at a very young age. I mean, Tessa's like 20, 24, I think, 23. She's fairly young. Um, you know, she had this buzz, and then it, it was unfortunate she lost in the first round of the Mae Young Classic, but she put on such a great performance uh, that it just really stuck, I think, and uh, everything she's done with Impact, you know, holding it down. I don't, I don't watch, uh, I think it's Women of Wrestling, not because I, I, I've seen episodes, I just, I can't fucking cover everything wrestling-wise, but she is someone that is a natural, huge draw. You ask Chris Jericho, you ask the Young Bucks, you ask so many, hey, just, and I've seen them in interviews, hey, name one female wrestler, if you could take them, you know, out of, out of the scene right now, who would it be? Almost all of them say Tessa Blanchard. And it's because she's young, she is dominant, she is, she's good on the mic, weird, I mean, her, her dad's Tully Blanchard, what, what do you expect? Um, and she's built a name for herself without even having to worry about being related to Tully. I think that she's spoken for herself. Uh, and now what she's doing, having believable matches, like you said, with Disco to Sammy Callahan to Brian Cage now, and then building it uh, possibly to beat Sammy for the championship. And I think become the first women uh, world heavyweight champion outside of just a women's championship. And, having great matches with Rosemary and Ty Valkyrie and, and everyone that she gets in the ring with. She is the diamond and she is a badass. and Tessa Blanchard definitely makes my top four. Chris, who do you got for four? Number four, I have Miss Sasha Banks, the boss herself, um, for all the reasons, like I mentioned, with the four horsewomen, but also specifically her feud and those three matches with Charlotte Flair on the main roster. 
I think is probably the best thing that they've done on the main roster with their female wrestlers. I know that they, they've highlighted them, and I think WWE's done a good good job with that. But, I mean, the two standouts for me were Charlotte Flair and Sasha. I hope that she can get back to the level she was at before she took that three-month hiatus. Um, and I would say even before that tag team with with Bailey. The best thing for her is to be completely separated from Bailey at this point. But I had to put her here just for what she was able to accomplish in NXT in those matches with Miss Charlotte Flair. So my number four is the boss, Sasha Banks. All right, my number three is uh, the pirate princess herself, Kari Sane. Um, you know, Io Shirai almost made my list. There's a lot of great female Japanese wrestler, Riho. Kari Sane, everything she does is crisp. It's perfect. It's, I don't know, she she's doing a decent job as part of a heel. It's very unfortunate with her getting hurt in the last match. Um, I don't think that should be taken away from her legacy, though. Uh, her run in NXT was great. She's one of the best and most believable baby faces in wrestling, I think, in the last 10 years. Um, she's just great all around, man. And that elbow drop is is a thing of beauty. It's incredible. Her match with Io Shirai, with, with um, a lot of the other female wrestlers building up, Asuka, and now being a part of this package team with Asuka, and they're still running with it and doing good things with it. You know, I, I just think that they they at least bring credibility to those, uh, those belts uh, that, you know, no one really cares about. But uh, with with Oscar and Kerry Sane holding them, they bring some pretty decent weight to them. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think Kerry Sane is, is incredible. Who do you got for three, Chris? I actually have the same for number three for all the reasons that you just stated. Um, she's absolutely phenomenal. Her matches in stardom were incredible. And I kind of wish that she was in a singles spot right now. Um, like you said, if, if you look past this recent injury, I think that was a fluky thing in a chaotic match. She's absolutely phenomenal. She could easily – the thing about this top three that I have, I think that you could flip them around. But I remember when they announced that Carrie was going to NXT, and I was so fucking hyped for it <laughs> when they said they signed Carrie Hojo. Um, so – yeah, she's my number three. And like I said, I think any of these top three, you could rotate depending on, you know, the time, the year at least. But, uh, yeah, my number three is same as yours, Carrie Zane. Well, I wonder how close we're going to be with this. Um, might be flip-flop, but I'm pretty sure we have the same last two. Could be wrong, though. Uh, number two, no one was ready for her, and that was Asuka. No one's had a dominant streak uh, since Bill Goldberg. I mean, she beat that record. And she also had really long and depth performances with a majority of those. And that's not necessarily a knock on Goldberg. I mean, he was known, he was limited and he was known for short matches. That's what made his character his character. Asuka didn't need that. She could put on long, in depth matches, or she could be dominant and destroy you very quickly. It all depended. Uh, she was depended on by NXT for a very long time. She went dominant and, you know, Undefeated within WWE, lost to Charlotte, and I think probably the best match on that card, um, and has had some great matches. Her and Becky, uh, her winning back the title, or winning the title for the first time. They know that she's popular. It doesn't matter if she's heel or babyface, or if she, you know, doesn't cut promos. Her, her in-ring credibility and her persona, her, her uh, charisma just gets off and resonates with the fans. They love her. She's one of the best in-ring workers, I think, in WWE today. Uh, yeah, 
No one was ready for her, and I don't think they still are, Chris. Who do you got for number two? I think we are flip-flopped. My number two is Miss Charlotte Flair. Uh, Absolutely phenomenal. I mean, she is, like you were saying with AJ Styles, she is the person that they can just put anywhere on the card in a feud with anyone, and it immediately gets recognition because she is Charlotte Flair. Um, It's unfortunate what happened in that last match, once again with Carrie Zane. like I said, that's one of those chaotic things. I think there was probably a language barrier there, but for the most part, I've never seen that happen with Charlotte. So I'm going to look past that. And she has what held the title seven times. And the reason being is she's easily WWE's top star on the main roster Um, outside of Becky's, you know, kind of rise to fame there at the end of last year. I think Charlotte's the one that you can look at and go, Know, there's a there's a reason why she's been in all these big matches and had these great matches with Sasha Banks and with Becky Lynch and Bailey and, and and not to take anything away from them but I think that she just has something special you know being a flair doesn't hurt but also being a flair kind of does hurt because you live in a giant fucking shadow uh, in a lot of ways and and much like Tessa she was able to step out of that shadow and kind of become her own thing. Um, and her work in NXT and the initial run in WWE kind of ending the Divas uh, division, which was absolutely phenomenal, just being the shit out of the the, the Bellas, which I love. Uh, <laughs> I, I love Charlotte. I think that, like I said, I think any of this top three could probably rotate for me. So I'm not dead set on a, a one, two, three, so to say, but I have Charlotte Flair as my number two. Someone that has not only proved that she can wrestle like her father, but also wrestle outside of her father's shadow and make herself on her own, the queen of wrestling, Charlotte Flair. Uh, There are Charlotte haters out there, and it's okay. Uh, Just take some sand and bury your head into it. That's my only uh, way to get out of – that's my advice for you to be able to get out of that concept. Uh, She's incredible, man. She is – Great in-ring performer. She's a great character. When she's a heel, this even even this kind of tweener concept, she does great with it. Uh, she takes elements of her dad's work, definitely, I would say, but she does it her own way, and she is one of the best, you know, wrestlers in wrestling right now, period. Uh, you know, attracting, you know, with, with the Sasha Banks stuff, Charlotte is that counterpoint. With the newer stuff with Becky, Charlotte is that counterpoint. She is the go-to person. She is, you know, that person that steps up, can put on a great match. Um, You know, there's a reason why Becky uh, and Ronda were, you know, why Charlotte was put in there. Everyone beforehand thought it was going to be Ronda and Charlotte to begin with. She is one of the most definitive personalities. And like I said, you know, you said his name earlier. They're never going to do it because intergender is too scary but one of my dream matches that's never going to happen is her and AJ Styles, and I think they would have an incredible fucking match. So I'll just leave it at that. Uh, what do you think for number one? I, I'm pretty sure uh, I know who it is, but just, you know, who, who's your number one? Um, my number one is Asuka, a.k.a. Kana. She has been incredible wherever she's went, but specifically that TX, uh, NXT run from 2015 to 2017 where she was absolutely demolishing people, surpassing Goldberg's win streak becoming the longest reigning uh, female champion. I don't think I, 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 it's possible that Shayna may pass her. I don't know, but it, I think it was what 510 days. Um, 
she's just absolutely phenomenal. And it, it you know, if they weren't bringing her to the main roster, she'd probably still have the damn title right now in NXT. She's <laughs> that damn good. The character's so believable. I love the way she works in the ring. Um, there's a lot of people that do submissions and try to do what Asuka does, but to me, as far as the way she goes about her matches and, and, and the mindset and the way that she's able to lock on these different submissions um, and kind of get over without cutting a promo. I, I think that, you know, it's really crazy because when we talked about this previously with Asuka, we kind of, I think originally when she first came up to the main roster, I, I was saying that they should put her with Paul Heyman as his other, you know, beast character, which they ended up not doing. Um, but now they're just letting her cut promos and heal promos in Japanese, and it fucking works because she is just that great. It doesn't matter if, if, if they don't even subtitle it or anything, and it doesn't fucking matter because she's that damn good. Um, just real quick before I round this out, I do want to give honorable mention to Paige. I think that there should be a reason she's on the spot uh, on this list, and the same with the Bellas um, to some extent. But I, you know, this was a real tough list for me to make. I wanted to have some Japanese female wrestlers on here outside of WWE, but just honorable mention to those ladies. But my, my number one is uh, definitely Asuka. Hey, nothing wrong with that. There are several female wrestlers, Bailey included, AJ Lee included, Yo Shirai included. Um, oh, man, I can't think of uh, Johnny Wrestling's wife's name, but she always – Kayla Saray. There's certain wrestlers that definitely – are, are holding it down with whatever, you know, concepts. So definitely honorable mention to them. Uh, let's go over superstars. And like I said, this is kind of me and, and, and Chris taking a step back as, as far as it's not so much our personal favorites, who's done the best matches to us, but who's done a really big impact looking at drawing power, um, but also wrestling skills, mic skills, everything kind of rolled up into one. Who's had the best 10 years. Uh, I'm just going to say the honorable mention right at the beginning of it. Uh, maybe some people are going to be taken back by some of it, but uh, Kofi Kingston, uh, definitely there's an argument to be for him to be putting on here. Uh, Becky Lynch, definitely. Ronda Rousey, Undertaker, who at the beginning of it was was on fire and then his streak lost. Uh, Cody, he's, uh, uh, Triple H, Tanahashi, Will Ospreay, Randy Orton, The Rock, Sasha Banks. So, yes, none of them made my list. I apologize to anyone I hurt for saying that, but uh, let's go into 10 for me. It was actually Roman Reigns, man. I know a lot of people hate on Roman, but I think he is a great performer. Very, very standard, but solid. Uh, you know, they've a lot of the stuff that has not worked, obviously, with the audience, I don't think is his fault um, at all. And I think this is – Chris Jericho was just in an interview, interview and said – if WWE would let him harness just an ounce of the charisma that Roman has and how cool of a dude he is and how so much fun he is and he can cut promos, Chris even said, go back to FCW and see what he was cutting then when he was a heel. You know, he is much more than they give off. But, man, I'm sorry. This is going to definitely, uh, you know, kind of change aspects of me looking into it. Him getting cancer and then overcoming that is a huge thing. I think Roman's a star. I think he's one of their top stars they have right now. You know, it's taking an idiot like like Baron Corbin, all that bullshit. But still, Roman is is getting cheered now more so than he ever has. And even some of the bad stuff, hey, it just adds to his character. If you can get a reaction out of people, but his his rivalry with John Cena, which uh, his 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 match with Undertaker, that probably, arguably, I would say, should have been Taker's last match. 
I mean, maybe you think that that should have been with uh, after him and Triple H or after he lost to Brock, but whatever. But Roman is a solid performer, and uh, that's why he's my number 10. My number 9 was uh, Charlotte Flair. I just think that Charlotte is, like I said, everything I said beforehand, uh, I think she's incredible. I think that her being able to still be Charlotte Flair, being the queen, coming out with the Nature Boy stuff, but still being a solid person outside of her dad's shadow, she's proven herself as one of the top fucking performers in wrestling today. And, uh, yeah, there's a reason why she's on my list. That's 10, Roman Reigns, and number 9, Charlotte Flair. Chris, who do you have for 10 and 9 for superstars? So I think our lists are going to be very different on this one, and I think it was more of just the mindset of how, how we compose these. So just to lead into the list, I'm going to go ahead and say I did mine based on their their overall effect on whatever promotion they were in um, and how big of a star or draw um, as well as their quality of match. So uh, my, my number 10 is – Charlotte Flair, and I, for all the reasons that we've already talked about and, and that you've went into, I think that she is a huge draw for WWE and will continue to be so. Um, and I kind of just wrote next to it, any of the four horsewomen, you could probably rotate in here uh, in different points of their career, but Charlotte is, to me, she is the standout in those matches with, you know, as good as Sasha is without Charlotte being that top heel, I don't know that they have that same flavor. So I put Charlotte at my number 10. My number nine is Dwayne the Rock Johnson. I think specifically between that feud with Cena, um, as far as drawing power goes, I mean, the Rock is fucking undeniable. Anytime he shows up on the show, it's going to go from a show that 2 million people are watching to a show that 3.5 million people are watching. And that says a lot. And everyone knows the, the Rock's qualifications. But if I'm looking at you know someone who moves the fucking dial, um, specifically for Mania, you have to look at The Rock and, and his title run um, up to that John Cena feud and how big, just how big of a feel that WrestleMania had. So uh, my number nine is actually The Rock. Nothing wrong with that. Rock was someone I fought with, but, you know, I think another thing in the factor, like we said beforehand, me coming in towards the later end of this decade definitely kind of changes the aspects of outlook on everything. But uh, someone that you know, I wasn't present with, but I can't have him. There's no way I couldn't have him on this list. Number eight is CM Punk. Punk, I knew who CM Punk was when I wasn't even a wrestling fan. Now, obviously, I knew, I personally knew who Punk was when he was in Ring of Honor doing the Pepsi Plunge fucking uh, pedigree off the top ropes and being this online, you know, uh, sensation, not really knowing much about him. But when you are not a wrestling fan and you hear about this stuff, you hear about this pipe bomb, you hear about – Everything building up, and he's one of the best guys in the mic of all time, I would say, uh, arguably. Uh, he just I, – I think that they needed that type of injection, and it kind of sucks the way it played out because I think he could have helped wrestling if he didn't leave the business and he was able to work something out. Um, but he ended up just being that guy that they just put in the stuff and didn't really – same thing with Daniel Bryan to an extent, just didn't give the full potential that they deserved – because they were pushing the needle. So CM Punk, uh, also, you know, feud with The Undertaker, match with The Undertaker, match with Brock Lesnar. Obviously, you know, uh, TLC, again, or not TLC, with Money in the Bank against John Cena and that whole entire buildup. Uh, you know, I just think that he is a very, very big persona, and there is a reason why he was able to just magically go into UFC without any type of fucking actual 
you know, background of winning, uh, it's because he was a name. And, uh, yeah, Brock Lesnar, to a lot of people's dismay, is my number seven, man. Brock is amazing. He is dominant. He is, I mean, the dude, IWGP heavyweight champion, you know, that run. Uh, the NCAA stuff that he did, obviously, before wrestling. Um, UFC uh, champion, WWE, he's won the world heavyweight belt. Uh, has correlations to the NWA lineage. He's won the WWE champion. He's won the Universal. He's where they need him. He is very much like a Bruno-type concept to Vince, where Bruno was to Vince Sr., where if they need him to stay in and dominate and have matches, they don't have to be the longest matches. They can be. The way he works with smaller guys that he respects and the match quality that he's able to have is, I mean, I, I can't deny Brock Lesnar. He's, he's one of the biggest draws of all time, and he's one of the most credible uh, you know, person when it comes to wrestling. I mean, all, all he needs is some boxing accolades, and it's like, you know, hand sports, man, he's got fucking championships everywhere. It's just ridiculous. So eight, CM Punk, seven, Brock Lesnar. Who do you have, buddy? For number eight, I think we actually fell in the same spot with this. I have CM Punk for many of the same reasons that you listed. I think specifically his run from about 2011 to 2013 uh, was the biggest thing in wrestling anywhere in the world, maybe outside of Japan with Tanahashi, but uh, Tanahashi and, you know, versus the Bullet Club, almost, I, I would say that's pretty big as well. But uh, CM Punk was a huge fucking deal for sure, um, and I would be amiss if I didn't have him on this list, uh, even though he was not – necessarily my favorite worker in the ring um i i did I, I never really got the same i guess feel that everyone else did is my favorite match of his is actually one with eddie guerrero and Rey mysterio way way before uh he ever got to uh got to wwe obviously with, with those two names but uh yeah his matches you know outside of the ones with cena at the top he was never my as far as quality goes was never really one of my favorites um, with the WWE style at least, but he deserves to be on this list simply that pipe bomb blew wrestling up in a way that it hadn't been shaken up in, in a very long time, especially in, in the WWE. Um, and I think he definitely deserves to be on the list. So my number eight is CM Punk. My number seven is probably going to shock you um, just because he is so high on my wrestler of the decade list. But when I, like I said, uh, the, qual the qualifications for this was obviously a lot different. Um, I have Okada here and it's not because I don't think Okada is a draw. It's just he's kind of always been overshadowed with that fan base by Tanahashi. Um, so I actually have Okada at my number seven. And I could see him being put a little higher, uh, honestly. But uh, when I was making this list, that's where he fell. So Okada is my number seven. Hey, nothing wrong with that. I think that's respectable as well, you know. Um, let's see. We got number six for me is going to be uh is that where i have him wow okay <laughs> i guess i figured this out last night uh my number six is actually kasuchika okada <laughs> uh that's weird that we're just talking about that but similar to what you said man i mean he's a definitive wrestler as far as wrestling fans overall i think he ranks high in japan i think that he's always kind of been in tanahashi's shadow to an extent uh but he's he's been able to overcome that i think especially to now it's now he's the transition person, I feel like. They're trying to find the next star that after Okada. So he is uh, – he's the rainmaker, man. He is absolutely incredible. 
And, uh, yeah, he is my number six. My number five is going to be uh, Mr. A.J. Styles. A.J., like I said, man, you start off this decade, he's in TNA. He's doing stuff over there. They tried to turn him into Ric Flair. Didn't work out. They just didn't know how that, that A.J. was A.J., man. Like I said, I, I think there's more stuff comparable with him and Savage than him and, uh, him and uh, whatchamacallit, uh, him and, and Flair. And then later on when they kind of had him trying to be like the sting, like the, the crow sting, like he was the guy that got screwed over and he was going against everyone. Still, belt there, ring of honor, top guys there, you know, New Japan, one of the top guys there, everything with Bullet Club, his, his ridiculous match with Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, coming to WWE, his reception with the Royal Rumble, uh, just everyone knowing who the fuck he is. Then the the modern mega powers explode, if you will, between him and Cena, and just building up that. Their match at, at, at the Royal Rumble was one of my favorite matches. Might see it on, a, on another list, actually. Um, and just, I, I just think that he is one of, he's the pit bull. He really is the pit bull for Vince, and he's one of their top wrestlers. It's like, go out there, have a great feud. He's going to do what he needs to do, and uh, that's why he is on my list. Um, so, yeah. So, wait, so what, what are we on? Am I on five? Or did I just do five? That, that would oh. be number five. Yeah, No, that was your number five, right? Because you did Okada, okay, yeah, so. and then, yeah. AJ, what, what do you got for six and five, buddy? For number six, I have Mr. Brock Lesnar. Um I think that well, you know that name alone carries carries a, a lot of fucking weight. I think that he's had some great matches, be it some of them being very short, but he's able to take you know take what some people would see as a handicap with his size and make it work for him and look like this absolute monster. I think his feud with the Undertaker is probably the biggest thing. It, you know, looking back in, in WWE, that build up to that feud was one of the best things. Uh, for me that year um and he's just constantly the guy that you can put the belt on and it'll be believable regardless i think the stuff that he just did with ray was absolutely great and and i still think that he is a massive draw for that company um at, you know you see the numbers when he shows up and then when he's away they they dip back down so uh brock lesnar i think deserves to be on the six he could have he should actually be an honorable mention as well for wrestlers of the decade in my opinion uh he obviously i don't think that you know he has some of the same in-ring work as some of the guys that I have on that list, but I would say that he's also should be an honorable mention there as well. Uh, but yeah, my number six is Brock Lesnar, and my number five is Chris Jericho, who easily could probably be higher on this list. Uh, everywhere this guy goes, he is able to have that huge star feel, and he has changed his personality. It, do, it doesn't matter when he returns. He comes back with something new, whether it's showing up with a light-up jacket and trolling everyone and not saying a single word. Um, feuding with CM Punk and, and calling, you know, drinking basically in front of CM Punk because CM Punk's straight edge. Uh, from that to the list and the festival of friendship to a little bit of the bubble in AEW and his heel character in New Japan, I think wherever he goes, he's able to one, be a huge straw, and two, create a new character that is unique to whatever promotion he is associated with. And and like I said, I think you could you might even be able to put him higher, but the the, the my top four are pretty big fucking names, so that's that kind of limits him a bit. But I love you, Jericho. You're probably one of my favorite wrestlers of all time in general. Uh, but you're making number five on this list. 
All right, let's do it. Top four. And I'm going to start off four with... John Cena, man. John Cena is a Hulk Hogan of... I mean, he's the biggest fucking wrestler that since the Rock and Stone Cold. He has had great matches. He's dealt with a lot of stupid fucking bullshit with fans. But still, he gets the loudest reaction. He's one of the hottest commodities. One of the best baby faces, I would say, that doesn't give up that concept. He's a good fucking dude, man. And that really means something to me, of just taking the time with, 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 with kids. A lot of our, his personal stuff was all on the floor, basically, for everyone to see. He still remained positive. He's making a pretty good, I think, uh, impact after people like Batista and Rock within Hollywood. And he's had a bunch of great matches, had a bunch of great runs, man, and um, very memorable matches. One with AJ and one with Punk really come to mind uh, more so probably than others. But he's he's a, there is a reason why he's been a go-to person for WWE. And uh, I think John Cena is one of the greatest wrestlers you know, overall in the last decade, and if you were to say for draws, if you were to try to make a, a fight for it being, um, you know, Stone Cold, The Rock, Hulk Hogan, usually is everyone's top three for draws. John Cena is someone that could fight Flair and I think Bruno and beat them out as far as that. He is that good. There's a reason why he's had the title that many times. John Cena, number four. Who do you got? My number four is uh, Dead Man Inc., The Undertaker. Uh, I think, you know, if you look back at this decade, whether it's him versus HBK or him versus Brock or him versus Punk, um, that streak was such a huge part of WrestleMania and so pivotal to that show being a big feel show. I would be amiss if I didn't put him on this list. And obviously he's Undertaker. He's one of the greatest of all time. Um, but I have him at number four. I feel like WrestleMania just it doesn't feel the same without him. I think maybe they pushed that streak too too long uh, in a lot of ways, and maybe he should have just, you know, I wish when he had that match uh, and, and you put the hat down in the ring, I kind of wish that would have been Taker's last match. I thought that was a cool moment. And I would even say you could even look at the, the Triple H and HBK Hell in a Cell gimmick that they did when they walked out, you know, arm in arm maybe that should have been the send-off but you know he continued to prove me wrong and if i don't ever see another undertaker match yeah it'll make me a little sad but i you know it's one of those things where i know that he's a huge draw and i know it's easy to put him into a mania match or a big pay-per-view match and it'd be a big deal and i'm assuming they're probably going to do something with goldberg again down the line um but yeah i have to have undertaker here just simply because of how much he meant to a lot of those WrestleManias uh, during this last decade. So my number four is The Undertaker. The Undertaker. God, that was one person, that was one of the hardest people not to have on my list. Because like you said, at the beginning of this decade, he had such memorable stuff, but I love The Undertaker. Um, He's also, a lot of people don't realize, for WWE history, The Undertaker has been a part of every era. He started at the tail end of the Hulkamania rock and wrestling era in the early 90s, breaking Hulk Hogan's neck. He was part of the new generation era. Obviously, that was probably one of his more definitive. The Attitude Era, you know, the, 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 the Ruthless Aggression Era, the PG Era, the, the, the Reality Era. He's been a part of every fucking era of WWE wrestling. And 
his streak, everything. It's it's very hard for me not to mention that I really fought hard with my brain not to have the Undertaker on this. All right. Anyways, uh, let me go on. Uh, once again, I know that some people are just going to say I'm a mark. That's fine. Uh, it's 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 uh, going to be Kenny Omega for number three. I think that Kenny has been one of the biggest wrestlers that has not been in WWE in the industry. I think that he's built such a, such a reputation. And, you know, like I said, he's got kinks and he needs to work out because I think that he was displaying a character for a Japanese audience. And I think it was very inspired by anime and stuff like that. That's got to be a little bit different uh, for an American audience. But other than that, he's just he's, – he's a cool heel – He's a he's a great baby face. He puts on incredible matches with people like Kota Bushi, obviously Okada, you know, um, Chris Jericho, uh, Pentagon. I mean, the list goes on and on. Tanahashi, uh, and I just think that he is one of the definitive best in ring workers uh, today. And you know, you you can argue me, you know, you, or just accept the fact that I think that Kennedy's one one of the top superstars. And I think he's going to be one of the top superstars of the next decade. Uh, Chris, who do you have for three? For number three, I have Daniel Bryan. Uh, the Yes Movement and his run there before his injury was just something to behold. Um, he was massive in a way that I don't know we'll ever be able to recapture. It was just fucking lightning in a bottle. And as far as like viewership increasing and and like overall draw to that mania where he finally won the title um, culminating almost, it, it gives you that feel of the boyhood dream, kind of that HBK feel in a way that that's just really, really great. And probably one of my favorite moments as well. We'll probably see that a little later on, but uh, yeah, Daniel Bryan is my number three. I think he deserves to be there. I think he would be a hell of a lot higher um, if Seamus didn't kick his head off multiple times, <laughs> but all jokes aside, I think Daniel Bryan deserves to be three, and if he didn't have, I don't know, a three-year hiatus during this decade, he he could have even been number one. That is just how fucking good he was at his top top. So I, I think he deserves to be here, and he is my number three. Yeah, he's my number two, man. I think that Daniel Bryan, oh, so much potential. I think coming back from that injury is great. Honestly, though, I really feel, and we've talked about this before, I don't know if it would have been to the same heights as Hulkamania, but the Yes Movement was becoming something that you saw in other sports and other facets of uh, different types of entertainment. People putting their hands up and going, yes, yes, having friends asking you because they know that you're watching wrestling, like, what's this guy all about? Uh, everything that he was able to do, man. I, I, I think we've gone on – I think we've talked a lot about Daniel Bryan and the reasons why he's on both these lists so high for both me – and Chris, and uh, I love Daniel Bryan. That's why he's my number two for superstars of the 2010s. Uh, who do you have for number two, sir? For my number two, I have Tanahashi. I think he deserves to be here because he he is the guy that they have built that company around for so long in New Japan. He is a huge draw there, maybe not necessarily here to the same extent, but in Japan, he is the biggest thing in the entire world. That guy is a fucking – he is a legitimate wrestling rock star there. Um, and I would be amiss if I didn't have him at a very high, I almost put him at one. Um, but I have a guy up there that I, to me is, is hard to beat. Um, but yeah, Tanahashi is my number two. I think, you know, he is essentially, and we've made this comparison before 
he is a lot like their John Cena um, of Japan. So I have him at number two. Yeah, Tanahashi is definitely, definitely a badass. My number one, I mean, you kind of, you talked about him earlier, but it's like now at the end of this decade, what the man has been able to accomplish, I feel, and I've said this, for longevity, he's neck and neck with, with Ric Flair. He is the GOAT, and that is Y2J, Chris Jericho. I just think he's had an incredible, especially last five years, uh, within wrestling. I think the Festival of Friendship is going to go down as one of the biggest segments in Raw of all time. So entertaining. Everything that he did, all the match with AJ uh, at the start of AJ's run, uh, everything with Kevin Owens. Might have had a little bit of a lackluster match at Mania, especially to Vince's standards, I guess. Uh, but him saying, fuck this, I'm done, I'm going to reinvent myself, and reinventing himself, retiring that style with the list, and the, and, and, the, and the scarf after, he, like you said, with the light-up jackets and the quietness, and then going to Japan and being the pain maker with the makeup and coming in fucking up Kenny and then going after Okada and going after Evil and now going after Tanahashi, you know, and becoming the first AEW champion, now being their Hollywood Hogan, if you will, because he's that recognizable of a name and he's that he's had that big of an impact within wrestling. He's the first champion there. And everything's kind of revolving around Chris Jericho now. Uh, he is the defector of, of WWE that still praises WWE for where he, it's gotten him. But he's been able to do so much. And I think that Cody and the Bucks know that they need Chris Jericho in order for AEW to be where it is today. So, yeah, I'm going to put Y2J at number one for Superstar of the Decade. Chris, what do you got for number one? My number one is John Cena. I think if you look at some of the other people I have on this list, he is a big reason why they're on this list, whether it's you know him feuding with uh, Jericho in the past or, or The Rock or CM Punk. Um, he's a big reason why a lot of that stuff worked, or, or you know, like someone like AJ Styles. Uh, if you look back at the early portion of this decade and you talk about the 2011 Money in the Bank or you talk about you know his Mania match with The Rock or even his matches with John Cena later on in the decade – um, he was something very consistent about that show, whether people loved him or hated him, he did continue to keep people entertained. I think he's a genuinely nice person. It just, he's just a good guy overall. I don't understand why he gets some of the hate from, I don't want to be an asshole, but let's just say internet fans, as, uh, they used to say in the nineties, uh, I, I mean, I, I, you know, John Cena is the biggest WWE star since the rock. And I, I, if you, if anyone can find someone different and give me a reason why, then I would, I would take it. And I think the only person that would even be comparable would be Daniel Bryan if he didn't get yep. injured and was able to continue that movement. So my number one is, is John Cena. He was the biggest draw in the biggest company for 10 years. So had to put him at number one. Yep. Man. I, and I, uh, did. what were you going to say? I was just going to say, in some honorable mentions, I think a lot of them were the same as yours, but uh, one that I wanted to make note of is Matt Hardy and what he was able to accomplish and impact and the broken yes. parties in general. And it probably the loudest pop I've ever heard is when they showed up as a surprise at WrestleMania. The fucking roof almost blew off the building. I think that you know they've kind of wasted what they had with him in WWE, but the Hardys in general um, 
I almost put them on this list. I kind of went away from it because I think you have to include both of them as a tag team. Um, but definitely honorable mention to the Hardys here for top 10 superstars and <laughs> what they've been able to accomplish wherever they went headed up well up till now um, where they got to WWE and kind of stifled. But if you look back at all the broken Hardy shit, it was the biggest thing on the internet specifically and definitely one of the only shining moments from Impact during that time period. So I just wanted to make honorable mention of the Hardys here as well. Yeah, definitely remember watching that weird video uh, <laughs> Uh, before I was in the wrestling, or before I really fully got back into wrestling, be like, what the hell is this? And uh, yeah, it just, uh, I, I agree, Matt Hardy is definitely someone to talk about. But um, great list. Let's get the tag teams. If uh, we're going to get through tag teams, I think, guys, and uh, we might have to leave um, matches and events uh, for the next episode. So we'll, we'll get through this wanna- and see where we're at. Yeah, I was going to say, do you just want to do the match? I mean, I don't know that we have to go into detail about every match. Do you just want to give the top ten matches and just, like, list order as opposed to breaking them down? Yeah, actually, that, that probably would work. So do you just want to do the matches, just just list all of them, and then kind of comment yeah, I on think each that's other's? Probably the, yeah, I think that's probably the best way to go, just because if we start breaking down, like, a 60-minute Omega versus Okada match uh, – <laughs> That could be like an hour in itself if we do that for every one of these matches. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Do you want to do tag teams first, just to make, see if we can get through all the, like the major ones? Or yeah, let's do the let's hit the tag teams first, and then I, we can uh, we should be able to do the matches pretty quickly if we're doing it in more of a just a general list. You're you're right. I like I like your style. We we didn't strategize at all before this guy. Sorry about that. We've been busy. Okay, damn it. All right, tag teams, and we're gonna do. Let's do three three by three. Uh, yeah, one two three, one two three, and then we'll do one two three, and then the last one. I mean, a little bit less to talk about, but uh, number ten for me is Golden Lovers. They had to make it on this list. I didn't get to see a lot of it before uh, when they're on. I think DDT uh, wrestling. Uh, as that tag team, but the stuff that I saw with Kenny and Kota Bushi definitely gives me reason to. They were they were a great tag team together, and their match with the Bucks were fucking phenomenal. Number nine is SCU. I think that uh, whether it be Kazarian uh, teaming with uh, Daniels or or whoever Scorpio Sky, it, they always can make a great tag team, um, and they just put on great matches, man. I think they're a good unit. I think Christopher Daniels needs to branch off of them and kind of do his own thing, uh, but that's that's here nor there. And then number eight is Undisputed Era. Uh, you know, whether it be Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish or Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong, some of the best tag matches I would say in the last, like, year, uh, maybe year and a half, have been involved with the Undisputed Era. So I got Golden Lovers at 10, number nine is SCU, and number eight is the Undisputed Era. Chris, what do you got? So for me, I actually have at my number 10 spot, I have SoCal Uncensored, which you went into a little bit. I think what they were able to accomplish kind of as fortune first in TNA um, early in this decade and, uh, you know, being the TNA tag champions with Daniels and Kazarian and then adding Scorpio Sky and and, and working in Ring of Honor and all throughout all of the independent circuits, as well as some of the stuff that they did um, in New Japan, including a really great fucking match with uh, Juice Robinson and and, and, uh, Tiger Mask versus – Kazarian and Daniels um I think they're great and I like you know for me Scorpio Sky is the kind of the passing of the torch with Kazarian and Daniels being a little older um and I love their 
you know, I want to say that the, kind of the combination of that group and the way they play off each other, I think it's kind of great. Um, but yeah, uh, SoCal Uncensored is my number 10. For my number nine, I got them boys, the Briscoe brothers. <laughs> I feel like I could easily put them higher. Um, they're, I mean, I, I can't think of anyone more associated with Ring of Honor. Like it's like they've always been there and have never left um, and have had great matches, whether it's with um, Kevin Steen and El Generico or uh, uh, the Motor City Machine Guns, um, the American Wolves, Dave Richards and Eddie Edwards. I mean, they've they've kind of wrestled a ton of these great tag teams and some of the other ones on my list, such as the Young Bucks. Um, I could have probably put them a little higher, but they're number nine. And then my number eight is Gallows and Anderson, and this would be specifically based on who they were in New Japan. I think that WWE has done a real shit job with them for the most part. Uh, even recently, you know, they put him with AJ, but they they don't give them dominant wins or anything, so that's fucking annoying. But from 2013 to 2016, that version of Gallows and Anderson was fucking awesome, including um, – you know, all of the all of the Bullet Club stuff in general from that time period was great, but uh, the their match at Wrestle Kingdom uh, Kingdom Nine uh, is was was fucking huge. But uh, yeah, so Gallows and Anderson, fun number eight. I forgot, I forgot fucking Gallows and Anderson, and I feel terrible. <sighs> this is what happens. All right, seven is them boys, Briscoes, man. I every match I've ever seen with them involved is violent, but also very technical. Something that Arn Anderson gave them praise for recently on his podcast. Uh, he was asked if he's ever seen them, and he's like, "Oh yeah, man, I was trying to scout them. They're they're some damn good wrestlers, man. And you know what's great is they look rugged, and but they're still great technical wrestlers that can tell a story. So if Arn Anderson's saying that about you. I think that matters. I think Jay by himself is an awesome talent. I mean, these guys are only 34 and 35. It's like, I, I, I hate to be talked down about Ring of Honor, but man, uh, I just think that they put on great matches. Some of the best tag teams that are on this list uh, that are not probably more so WWE-based have put on bangers with them. Uh, number six is Lucha Bros. Now, even though I prefer them, uh, you know, by themselves as entities, when they're together, man, they put on some crazy matches, and uh, they, they're all over the place, which makes them a little bit lower, but it's still, a lot of it is controlled chaos, and it's a lot of fun. Number five is LAX, who had some great matches with the Lucha Brothers. I think that their development, and the modern LAX, I should say, Santana and Ortiz, uh, what they did with Conan and Impact was incredible. Their matches they had with the Lucha Brothers and several of the tag teams uh, within there. Just great. The old LAX, if you will. Um, and what they're doing now, I think that they're they're one of the best tag teams on the planet. So, yeah, I got the Briscoes at seven. Six is Lucha Brothers. Five is LAX. What do you got, Chris? For me, I got the Broken Hardys at number seven um, for all the reasons I kind of talked about earlier as far as them being huge draws and, and impact. Um, so the Hardys are my number seven. Um whether they're feuding or together as a team, that run that they had until they got up to WWE is absolutely incredible. Um, so they're my number seven. My number six, uh, someone you just talked about, the Lucha Brothers, I think they're phenomenal. I do prefer them in singles competition, but they have had some great matches with the LEX, the Young Bucks, um, and I feel like I would love to see them uh, go against the Undisputed Era, which is one of yours, um, Redragon. Like I, I could 
fucking see great matches between all of those guys and the Lucha Brothers. The only thing I'll say is they need to work on the tags and AEW to kind of set what those rules should be. Um, so that put them a little further down my list. I think that's probably similar um, to what you were saying. And then my number five, I kind of just mentioned them, was the Undisputed Era, a.k.a. Redragon, Kyle Riley and Bobby Fish. I haven't seen them have a bad match as a tag team, regardless of who they're going against. It seems like they're able to have one hell of a match, um, specifically against, you know, if you go back and look at kind of their feud with DIY and, and uh, a lot of the matches they've had recently in these crazy ass tag ladder matches it's fucking ridiculous any of these tag uh, nxt takeover matches uh, the, the one at specifically in new orleans with authors of pain um and roderick strong and pete dunn i think that was a fucking phenomenal match um so they're my number five all right all right so let's do four three and two four i have gorillas of destiny man tamatanga and tongalo uh, just incredible wrestlers, uh, great personality, part of one of the biggest, you know, um, factions in modern wrestling history have put on amazing matches with the young bucks and put on amazing matches with just so many, the Briscoes and, uh, they're violent, they're agile, Tamatanga, I think he's awesome to me, to me. And I, I've said this many times to me, Tamatanga reminds me of like a modern Roddy Piper in a lot of ways. And just, he stirs up shit in real life, and also uh, in, in uh, kayfabe, you know. And uh, I just I think that they're awesome. I think that they're a great tag team. Number three is the New Day, man. Uh, they could have been higher on this list. They really could have. I just have personal preference. But I think that any combination of them, uh, once again, just like SCU, you're going to get a good fucking match. And Undisputed Air, for that matter. You're going to get a good match. Uh, all three of them work so well together. Usos and their match in Hell in a Cell a couple years back was fucking amazing. And even if it gets a little bit stale with who they're continuously put against, they still put on bangers of match. So, uh, yeah, I have to give the New Day number three. Number two, the Elite, the Young Bucks. Um, I love the Young Bucks. I think they're incredible. I think that every match I've seen them in has been pretty memorable. I think when they want to tell great stories and slow things down, they totally approve they can. But if they want to do a crazy nonstop fucking uh, ladder match, they're, they're probably one of the best match or tag teams to do that and everything they've done in the industry. So maybe you guys can figure out my number one. Not 100% sure. Chris, who do you got for four, three, and two on your tag teams? For number four, I have LAX, Santina, and Ortiz, um, and also with Conan, I will say. I mean, Conan gets honorable mention here because I thought I think that fucking group was great together. Um, but yes, I love LAX. I think they're great. I think they're doing really good shit in um, AEW, and I really liked that last match they had with the Young Bucks with the, I guess, fuck, what was it? A te- was it a Texas death match? Whatever the hell. Uh, no rules beat the shit out of each other match, and everyone went through like a bazillion tables. Uh, that was a lot of fun, but yeah, uh, LAX is my number four. My number three is, I think, maybe your number one. I could be wrong, but uh, I have the Usos here, number three. Uh, I think they're great yeah. for all the reasons that you listed. Listed the New Day are great, but the Usos are here. I think they're they're fucking phenomenal. I, as soon as they flip that switch and kind of turns more what their actual personalities are, which is what infuriates me about Roman Reigns at times because they're, they're very similar and you could do the same thing with Roman and they never have. But uh, 
uh, the Usos have been great since they flipped that switch. My number two is the New Day um, for all the reasons that you marked out, uh, you know, and laid out before me. Their longest reigning tag team in WWE history. And the reason why is that they're just able to go against anyone, have decent matches, whether you have Xavier in there or Kofi in there, they're, they're great. And the fact that they're such great friends too, and they seem like they genuinely love being a tag team together uh, makes me appreciate them even more. So that's my number two. The new day. Yep. Uh, day one ish, man. Uh, Uso is number one for me. I think that they are absolutely incredible. Here's the biggest reason why I'll say this. They have restraints and they put on some of the best tag team matches and they have what I mean by the strengths is the WWE way of doing it. There's, they, they, they are bonkers all over the place. They can fucking make these crazy sequences, but they also tell extremely good stories and can slow it down and bring the crowd into it, much more so than I think that a lot of other tag teams. Their matches with the New Day, incredible, Hardys, you know, everyone they threw at them, the bar, they put on classics, and it's very hard for me not to have the Usos at number one. Them and the Young Bucks really fought for that spot, but I really just think that the Usos, for WWE, with their wrestling of how they usually do it, I think that they have been just a fucking amazing um, wrestling force. My, 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 the, the Usos and, and the Young Bucks is my dream tag team match, and maybe one day I'll get to see it. I want also honorable mention, uh, the two that you said, the OC and the Hardys, really, I can't believe I forgot them, but that's actually a situation like that. But I also had DIY, The Revival, Evil and Sonata, The Bar, and Shield, I think are all someone that you've got to mention for tag teams. And the Kabuki Warriors, because of what they've been able to accomplish and actually bring some fucking credibility to the women's tag team uh, belts. Uh, who do you got for number one? And any honorable mentions for tag teams? I think you hit most of my honorable mentions as well. Um, the only uh, – I'm trying to think if there's anyone that that we didn't mention or think of. I, I guess I would say Kevin Steen and El Generico when they were in Ring of Honor as a tag yeah. team. Also, uh, but it was just 3K. such a short – yeah, and that was also just such a short period of time. Uh, Eddie Edwards and Roderick Strong as the American Wolves, that was a pretty great tag team. Um, and You mean Davey Richards? Was, yeah, David. Sorry. Uh, no. Uh, yeah. You're good. That's the sorry. The the Dojo Brothers, Eddie Edwards and Roderick Strong. Um, sorry, that's when they changed their their game. They, that's a different team. Uh, anyways, uh, fuck. Um, trying to think of anyone else. I I can't write off hands, but I know I'm missing someone. I know Kushida and Alex Shelley were a tag team that I really liked a lot. Uh, but I don't remember the time period. I think that would have been in the last decade. So honorable mention to both those guys as well. Um, but yes, my number one is the Young Bucks. I think that they have had great matches with a lot of the tag teams that we've already named on here. Unfortunately, the two that I want to see them face the most, they probably will never get to face them. Um, but yeah, the Young Bucks are my number one. And uh I mean, what what else can you say? I mean, you get to see them each week, and, and they go out, and they have the best match they possibly can. They also can tell some great stories like they did with the Golden Lovers, who I would have put on this list. I just – the most I've seen them was their that last run that they had before Kenny left Japan, um, and I haven't had time to really go back and watch their early shit, so honorable mention to them. But my number one is the Young Bucks. I think that they can kind of do a little bit of everything, um, and they're all, they always give you a fun match. 
a, and for some people, it's not going to be their thing, but for me, I fucking love it for the most part. So uh, the Young Bucks are my number one. All right, we have a little bit over 10 minutes, so I think that's plenty of time to just list the, our favorite matches. And if we can get to it, our, our favorite feuds. Uh, but I'll, like you said, I'll just list all of mine, kind of give a little breakdown of each, and then I'll let you go. Uh, 10, and like I said, subjective, guys. I thought about this for a long time, though. 10 is Charlotte versus Sasha for False Count Anywhere Raw 2016. That was an incredible match. Very Reminded me a lot of WrestleMania 13. I love the ending where Sasha Banks got her in the uh, bank statement over the railing uh, and getting the belt. Uh, that was one of the first matches I watched, and I was like, whoa, like, you know, getting back into wrestling uh, shortly after it. So, yeah, uh, that one, uh, number nine, Cena and AJ Royal Rumble uh, 17, 2017. Fucking incredible match. I think that it took a little bit of a hit because it came right after Okada and Omega, and it was, like, compared instantly to that. But, like I said, you had the modern mega powers uh, going at it, so that's why it's at nine. Eight, New Day versus Usos, Hell in the Cell, 2017. thought this match was fucking amazing. When they get them with the uh, kendo sticks locked up in the corners, just so innovative, and these guys had probably one of the, the best chemistry, uh, like LAX had with the Lucha Bros. I, I just, they, incredible stuff. Number seven, Cody versus Dustin, all out. Just incredible match, incredible storytelling. Uh, Cody versus Nick Aldis definitely could have made this list too at all in. But this one, the whole brother, I need my brother part, just resonated so much to me. Uh, John Cena versus Punk at Money in the Bank 2017. Everything that, that I thought the match was great. It was two of their best performances. And what led up from beforehand and then after of Punk winning and going through the audience and Vince just being so distraught. Uh, just amazing stuff. Number five, the Young Bucks versus the Golden Lovers at Strong Style Evolved 2018. One of the best tag team matches I think I've ever seen, honestly. It just was absolutely incredible. All the guys, and just the fact that Matt was out to hurt Kenny because he was pissed about this. It's just great storytelling. Um, number four would be Tommaso Ciampa versus Gargano 3 at New Orleans Takeover in 2018, the unsanctioned match. I mean, Dave Meltzer gave it a five, so, I mean, that says something. But great correlation at the ending where Gargano kind of tried, like, Ciampa pleads with him before he's about to bash him with the uh, the leg brace and then turns on him again and then using that leg brace for his lock to win the match. Just good shit, man. Number three, Pete Dunne versus uh, Tyler Bate take over Chicago 2017 for the U.K. championship. These guys had so many good matches. This one stood out the most to me. It was absolutely incredible. I watched it again yesterday. Just a bang-out performance by two future superstars, and they're both doing great now a couple years later. Number two. Number two and one are two matches I watch all the time. They're two of my favorite matches of all time. So, Number two, HBK versus Taker. Uh, two, uh, the streak versus the career. WrestleMania 26. Was it WrestleMania 26? I think it was. Whatever Mania that was. Their second one, it was at 2010. Phenomenal fucking match. I actually like it over the two, which I know is not the cool thing to say. And number one, the thing that got me really back into wrestling uh, in a big way of just seeing that you can make it look like an actual fight and beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> Okada versus Omega, Wrestle Kingdom 11. Speaks for itself. Chris, what do you got? 
All right. So I was just making sure that I had the right name for one of these shows. So sorry about that slight delay there. Um, at number 10, I have Omega versus Naito at the G1 26 finals. I think the match was absolutely incredible. I mean, it's an Omega versus Naito match. There's probably multiple ones I could have put here, but that um, one happens to stand out in my mind. Uh, Kevin Steen versus El Generico is my number nine, specifically from Ring of Honor Final Battle 2020, this is, or 2012. This launched the kind of kill Steen kill, and uh, this was a ladders match, and it was fucking insane. And I'm pretty sure that Kevin Owens killed El Generico. <laughs> and that's why El Generico became Sami Zayn. Um, no, I'm just joking, but uh, fucking love that match. If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. It's it's uh, great early work between those two. Um, Taker versus HBK to is sitting at my number eight for all the reasons that you said it's a fucking phenomenal match. And it's probably my favorite, uh, of the taker HBK matches as well. Um, yeah, that fucking dive taker does where Sean saves his life at the beginning. is fucking insane. Uh, <laughs> uh, number seven, golden lovers versus young bucks. This was one of the best tag team matches I've seen in a very, very long time. Um, and I wanted to get some tag team in here, so that's my number seven. I think that was a damn good match with some great storytelling. With uh, I think it was Nick that was selling the injured back for the most part of it, but it it just really was just great and, and fucking all those all everyone in that match is phenomenal workers. So I wouldn't expect anything less. Uh, number six, I have CM Punk versus John Cena at Money in the Bank 2011. Um, we kind of talked about both of these when we went over these guys earlier, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but a fucking phenomenal match. CM Punk wins, goes home with the title, puts it in the fridge. Fucking hilarious. Uh, but it was the start of CM Punk's run, and it was a damn good match. Damn good John Cena match. I, we had to get one on here on my list, so there, there's that one. Um, <clears throat> number five is Taker versus Triple H with HBK at the special guest referee. Um, I think that's – I want to say that's WrestleMania 28. I could be wrong, but I mean, if you look Taker versus Triple H, uh, HBK special ref, you'll you'll find it for sure on the network. Uh, Cody versus Dustin, I I have it as AEW double or nothing. I could be wrong, um, but it's the Cody Dustin. I I need my brother match where Dustin gets juice. Uh, great fucking match. I like the promo build up to it as well. Uh, Gargano versus Adam Cole. I could have put multiple of their matches on here. Um, but the one that I chose was the TakeOver New York match from 2019. Um, these guys had some fucking absolute great matches this year, and uh, they they deserve to be number three on this list. Um, an honorable mention to Pete Dunne, too. Uh, I, you you named that match, and that should be on this list, and I fucking uh, whiffed on it, so apologies there. Um, Omega versus Okada. Omega wins the belt. This is New Japan Dominion. I think that is my second favorite of the Omega versus Okada matches. It's a damn good match, um, and it was great to see Omega finally get that damn title. It seemed like he was chasing it forever um, and kind of in that longest title reign of, you know, a 700 and something days of Okada being champ. Um, and number one, Omega versus Okada round one, uh, the, the first one at Wrestle Kingdom. Uh I just remember my fucking mind being blown by this match and then thinking to myself, I don't think that I'll ever see a match as good as this ever again. Um, and I mean, they had other great matches and I know other people liked some of their other matches better, uh, but this one will always stand out and be kind of special to me. Plus there's a dragon suplex off the top rope, which is just fucking insane. Oh, uh, gosh. But uh, yeah, my favorite match um, right now it's one of my favorite matches of all time but it is definitely my favorite match of the last decade so that's my uh my list of best matches there 
Hell yeah. Uh, honorable mention, every match that I didn't have that you had, first of all, and also I wanted to say that it was hard for me with Sasha versus Bailey. Uh, both of their matches were incredible in NXT. Uh, some of the other matches with Charlotte and Sasha, the Hell in the Cell, I thought was a really good match. Um, Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano was really, really hard not to put on this list. I fought with myself a lot. Same thing with Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens at um, – at one of the takeovers, their their blow off match was fucking incredible. So there's been a lot of good wrestling, and I, I definitely appreciate that. Kota Ibushi and Naito, that first match scared the shit out of me. Oh, and Ricochet and Will Ospreay, just because it set the fucking world on fire. There's and oh, man, Johnny Mo- John Morrison versus uh, Puma, uh, Prince Puma. There's been so many damn good matches. So yeah, uh, that's a. I, I think. Um, do you think we have enough time to, to, to list our top ten events or feuds, or should we just call it a day? Well, yeah, that would, I think that would be probably a tight window there, so maybe we hit that. We'll save that for the uh, the 2019 end of the year or something. Just yeah, I, well, I, it, well, we'll end uh, we'll end our other list uh, for for this one. Maybe I'll throw it back in the pay per view since I'll have more time to look into it, and then we'll do uh, top ten matches, top ten male wrestlers, and top ten female wrestlers of the year on the next episode. Um, but yeah, I think I, I also want to kind of mention. I'll, I'll go back to you before we end it out. Um, yeah, big wins also. Cody winning the NWA title was a big thing that I kind of wanted to mention. Alistair Black getting the NXT title, huge thing. Kenny winning the title, obviously, like you said, from uh, from the sec- their last match with um, Okada. Just uh, Daniel Bryan finally winning the belt as well. Kofi Kingston. A lot of feel-good moments where I don't know if their matches were as, were as big to me for some of them, but they were huge in general. Even Punk, obviously, retaining. But um, do you have any other like moments like that that I'm not thinking of, of uh, people winning the belt? Yeah, I had, you know, Omega versus Okada, the chase to the title. Um, Punk versus the WWE, where he grabbed the title. I think that was huge. Brian, you know, winning the title at Mania. Um, Kevin Steen killing, killing El Generico, which I've talked about multiple times, but yeah. Um, and then, you know, stuff like Usos versus the New Day, the feud that they had. that, that the, the New Day in general holding those belts for like 400 and something days. I think that was a lot of fun. Um, and, and something even as simple as the broken Matt Hardy storyline, um, all all good shit. And I know we'll give them a proper list on the next show, but those those are some of my favorite moments. And I'm sure there's some that I'm missing and I'm not thinking of right offhand. But uh, yeah, good good shit. There was a lot of good wrestling this decade. I know that people talk about the ratings and and the fact that WWE has two million viewers or whatever. But even if you look outside of WWE and you look at some of the early Ring of Honor shit from the the beginning of this decade, and you look at what New Japan has done and and how well G1 is built and how big of a deal Wrestle Kingdom is, and you look at what AEW is doing, we have a fuck ton of good wrestling this decade. No one should be complaining about the amount of great content there is out there if you just take the time to look for it. And that's the bottom line, Custom Joe Sesto. All right, guys, we're going we're gonna to try to figure out next week uh, when we'll have that next show. Uh, probably will be Thursday. It depends on what me and Chris are doing. The holidays are here. But we'll figure it out. Like I said, we'll talk about uh, the, the lasting of events and then go into, um, you know, get outside of the decade and talk more about 
this year. So definitely listen in. Guys, go to geekvisenation.com for all the information and news for anything geek-related. We have an Instagram. We have a Facebook. We have a Twitter at Nation, And you can find us if you don't want to listen to us live on Blog Talk, which, like I said, we do this usually Thursdays at 7 p.m. EST and Saturdays at noon EST. Then listen on any other, uh, you know, we iTunes, Spotify, all those. Chris, thank you so much for being with us tonight or today, sir, and have a wonderful Saturday. You too, bud. And you guys can hit me at, at Chris R. Patton on Twitter, and there is a new Skates to Throats podcast out there for all, in all the same platforms that Dane just listed out. So check that out if you're a hockey fan. Y'all have a great weekend. And Dane, you do the same, man. Thank you, buddy. And uh, love talking about wrestling. Good stuff. And I look forward to talking to you guys more about wrestling on the next Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Let the Geek Fives be with you, and peace out.